Hello, and welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. Today's date is the 29th of September, 2022. Uh, as I said in the comments already, there's quite a bit to discuss tonight. Um, there is, uh, if you didn't see it in the comments, there we will be discussing uh, Hurricane Ian. That's going to that's gonna be a big one. Uh, for obvious reasons, it's already made landfall twice. It strengthened back into a hurricane and will make landfall again in the Carolinas tomorrow. Um, so relief efforts for that is something that uh, if, if you know of anything going on or if, if you know where people can help, whether it's sending material goods or, or, or just money, um, let us know and we will help uh, platform that. Um, we're going to be talking about Italy's elections. They literally elected a whole government of fascists. Um, Hillary Clinton claimed it was a good thing because their leader's a woman. You're muted. Might, might help if I unmute my mic. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Mussolini over there. Yeah. Nothing to surprise me about Hillary Clinton's support of a fucking fascist woman. <sighs> yeah. Whereas um, those of us who have any say, like, hey, I don't care what shape your genitals are, you're fascist. Yeah, amen to that. Um, we're going to be talking about Cuba's family code referendum because, uh, you know, here. The liberals are saying that they can't codify gay marriage until after the election. But in Cuba, they just did it. They did a whole lot more than that. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, and then the U.S. escalating tensions with China and Russia. Um, there's a couple of different ways that that's going down. Um, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was uh, sabotaged, uh, severely damaged. Mere days after the U.S. said they were going to do it, but we're saying it was Russia. Um, also, uh, Chinese and Russian ships were spotted off the coast of an Alaskan island. Now, I want to remind you all that but Some islands in Alaska, you can literally see Russia from there. So if there was Chinese ships doing trade in a Russian port, that could potentially be seen from the coast of an Alaskan island. But that's leading to increased surveillance, increased patrols, etc., etc. Um, seems like we're playing a stupid game. Um, so which, which one do you want to start with? Um, I'll be right back. I'm having connection issues. I got to find restart it. See if it'll connect to a different relay here. Okay. Um, all right. So Natalie, James, whoever, yeah, I hear you. Uh, whoever is in the comments, if you, uh, you know, you guys can pick. Um, 
which thing you want to talk about first? Um, yeah. If you don't pick um, soon enough, then... Okay, uh, I'll be right back. I gotta reset this Wi-Fi. Yeah. Oh, there was a thing that I forgot to put in the description, actually. Uh, the UN General Assembly, 184 countries for very much not the first uh, time has been calling for an end to the embargo on Cuba. Um, of course, the U.S. is still ignoring it, but this year... I, I believe it was Nicaragua called for all countries of the world to, you know, fight back to resist uh, U.S. imperialism. Um, and, and while, I mean, the, the, the vote has happened every year for almost 30 years, um, the, the, the overall theme of the General Assembly this year seemed to be end the Cuban embargo, and the United States is still... Um, ignoring it surprise so i guess we'll start um with cuba um i have a source from grandma which is the official publication of the uh, communist party of cuba's central committee um So there, there's a couple different stories about it. Um, so it, okay, so it's going to be hard to specifically break down what all happened in this family code, right? Because, well, first of all, I don't, I don't read Spanish. Uh, that makes a big difference right there. But there is, um, there's a lot to it. There's over 400 articles. They were debated, discussed, and, uh, you know, the 400 articles were hashed out before it went to a refer referendum where the entire country turned out to vote on it. Um, and it passed by a very significant margin. It was 67 point something percent um, voted to codify it. Um so, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kind of read through these uh, articles about it. There, like I said, there's several. Um, there was like eight thousand or eight hundred thousand, I think, would be more accurate. Um, town halls and and open discussions uh, through party apparatuses to come up with the wording and content of the legislation um, because Cuba is infinitely more democratic than the United States. Um, so I guess I'll start with this one. The president of Cuba, Miguel Diaz-Canal, celebrated the, the initial results. Of course he did. Um, he also went on to say that Cuba grew up with the family code. Um, uh, sorry. He acknowledged that a part of Cuban society still fails to understand some elements contained in the regulations because in 62 years of the revolution, patriarchal criteria have persisted in some people and families. 
the head of state added that the process of constructing the code respected everyone's right to an opinion, but he regretted that for reasons of belief, a part of the citizenry still does not understand that the law respects the type of family that they defend and also protects the rights of other forms of love. Diaz-Canal noticed that a strategy of demonization under or of the Cuban Revolution of discredit is also underway, which generates a lot of hatred towards everything related to it, mainly on social networks. In this regard, he added that those who are part of this platform use very aggressive language against the code, but none of it has to do with convictions or opinions, because if it said the opposite, they would still criticize it, and because it is a legal norm within the revolution. Um, so this this legal document gives rights and guarantees to the entire society, regardless of the type of family. Um, he stressed that the family code was a necessity since the nation has become more uh, heterogeneous and there were debts from the legal point of view, evident in the life stories told these days, recorded in research works and in situa situations discussed in court. The new law aims to resolve these issues, uh, said the president, who extolled the participation of the people and experts in the process of building the law and urge them to read it and interpret it with their hearts, putting themselves in the place of others, of those who have, who have experienced complex situations. I think that Cuba has grown up, the president emphasized, adding that this is the most important thing, growth as a society. Um, and then there's a bunch of pictures of him, you know, at the polling place. Um, on Twitter, the president alluded to the figures provided by the National Electoral Council, referring to an attendance this Sunday of almost 69%, which is actually quite low for a Cuban referendum. Um, but that being said, 69% is still goddamn near double, double the percentage of the population that turns out for American elections. Not quite double, but pretty close. With respect to the basic part of more than 8 million registered voters and the 23,000 schools arranged for it, according to the latest report of the National Electoral Council, um, oh, so this is an update, uh, 6,251,786 Cubans exercised their right to vote for a 74.1% turnout, so not not 69 percent 74 um and uh even even these outdated numbers are actually it's 67 point something was the final tally um but at the at the point that this was published it was sitting at 66.87 percent yet or yeah it 66.87 percent yes um Let's see what else we got here. Uh, this appears to be an opinion piece. Love also generates kinship. This is from September 22nd. Obviously, that's before uh, the, the referendum happened. Um, the supreme objective is to meet the urgent needs of all existing family structures in the country by opening a range of rights to provide solutions to their problems, to respond to their claims, and to offer opportunities. In other words, it is a matter of supporting, by means of a legal norm of wide scope, everything concerning family law, and in turn, with the gradual transformation that society has undergone, 
and with it, the fundamental cell that sustains it. As never before, the Family Code provides the opportunity to strengthen family ties, to access collegiate uh, conflict resolution, uh, to open space for all members of a family to be heard, cared for, and respected. It recognizes diversity and the value of affection. Each of the chapters of the code is a door to inclusion, understanding, and logically, love. No one doubts that Cubans are very family-oriented people by nature. This means that in addition to the blood family, there are almost always people around us with whom we establish strong bonds based on affection. In many cases, these people do come to occupy the place of a relative in every sense of the word, literally taking on functions and adopting attitudes that are traditionally uh, reserved for ascendants, descendants, or simple siblings. However, in the current legislation, mind you, this is before the passage of the referendum, they have no recognition whatsoever. The new family code also has the merit of resolving this conflict. That is why in chapter one of title three dedicated to kinship, it defines it as the one recognized on the basis of socio-effective ties and the so-called kinship by affinity. The first is based on the will and behavior between persons effectively linked by a stable and sustained relationship over time that can justify affiliation. That is a typo. It's like a space affiliation. <laughs> uh, it clarifies that this is recognized yeah, exceptionally by the. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Shit, where was I? Oh, yeah, it clarifies that this is recognized exceptionally by the competent court and has the same effects as blood relationship. From this first one, the recognition of multi-parentality. Multi Parentality? I don't know. Whatever. Um, can be derived when the existence of a notorious and stable socio-effective family bond is proven. Regardless of the existence or not of a biological bond between a person and the daughter or son with the behavior of those who, as a legal mother or father, have meritoriously fulfilled the duties that correspond to them by reason of the socially and familiarly, fa familiar, familiarly, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, constructed paternity or maternity, and by those uh, who by their intention, will, and performance can be presumed to be mothers or fathers. So basically, it, it goes on to elaborate how, uh, you know, typically, like, step-parents wouldn't have the same rights as, you know, regular parents. Or, you know, people who grow up with their, with their grandparents uh, usually don't have the same sort of paternal rights as, uh, as, as biological parents do. Um, but now it doesn't matter. Like if, if you're living with a roommate, but you like raise your kids communal communally, they all have parenting rights now. That's, that's huge. Um, as well as, I mean, there, there's, they're establishing the right, uh, gay couples rights to adoption as well as gay marriage. Um, they're, uh, Refining the laws based on, you know, like marit marital breakups, obviously, we would call that divorce. Um, so, I, I mean, there's there's a lot going on here. And I don't know what all 400 articles encompass. But to me, it looks like a very modern, um, socially conscious 
family code that that goes further than any other family law I've seen anywhere in the world. And it was done in such a democratic way, which I also haven't seen anywhere else in the world. This this law really speaks to that concept of it takes a village to, you know, um, and actually extending that capacity there. Like here, if, if you're living in a, a communal situation of like multiple roommates each have kids, it's to be able to pick your from school, something like that. You, you uh, so this can make it a lot you're- easier for living. You know, in a multi-family household. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, also, just to, I was, I was gonna say what uh, Natalie just said. You're kind of breaking up. I got, I, I got most of. Because I'm morning signal. Yeah. Shit over here. Yeah. But I mean, I, I heard, I, th- I think I, I think I made out everything uh, said, but yeah, I mean, like multifamily households or non-traditional families are finally able to have the same rights as any other family. And I mean, that might sound super basic, really, right? But we don't have that here. The liberals won't even consider codifying gay marriage here, let alone, you know, gay adoption and uh grandparents rights and let alone you know like the 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 rights that they're giving children um which i i don't know all the specifics on that but but they are they are establishing rights for children which we haven't done in really any sense here um but also kind of briefly touching on other things going on in cuba um the entire island, as far as I know, is still out of power uh, due to Hurricane Ian. Um, more on that in a minute. Um, I mean, with Cuba, though, now that there wasn't damage, obviously there was. And I'm sure that there was a human toll as well. But mostly mostly a damaged infrastructure. Um which obviously for a country that's under a severe embargo and has been this thing, but it was also a category two then. And then Florida got hit by a almost category five. Like we should have just called it category five. Um, again, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so they're, they're talking about, this, this is still okay. from grandma. It's only two miles an hour short. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we'll finish up with Cuba real quick. I'm not going to dive into too much of this, um, but, you know, we haven't done a Cuba update in a while, so I want to give you more than just the, the family code referendum. Um, migration, right? They're, they're 
calling out capitalism for the, you know, economic conditions of migrants. Um, they're, they're talking about foreign investment and its role in the recovery of domestic trade for, Cu uh, for Cuba. Uh, specifically, that would be referring to, like, uh, China's Belt and Road Initiative. Um, and they have a renewable energy program going, which is actually, you know, is shocking. Natalie said that I think the USA does allow gay people to adopt. I think that's a state thing. There's no federal legislation that protects it. Um, Rob Rich said Cuba has a lot of alliances that will want to help, but the U.S. will try to stop. That's one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit, actually. The U.N. General Assembly for the past 30 years has voted to end the Cuban embargo every year, and the U.S. just ignores it. Um, this year, however, it seemed to be very much an overarching theme, right? Like across the whole General Assembly, there was 184 countries that like got up and said something about it. I believe it was Nicaragua was uh, encouraging other countries to build a multipolar a multipolar world and to you know move away from doing business with the United States, for example. Uh, but you know, taking a meaningful stance against imperialism. I rest my case. Um, Cuba is focusing on uh, advancing vaccine candidates against dengue fever. Dengue fever? Dengue fever. Um, that's, that's not a new vaccine per se, but uh, the trials are still going on. Um, but that's also exciting. Um, they have a piece, um, honoring, uh, some firefighters who died in the line of duty, uh, that actually we did briefly talk about the fuel storage, uh, based fire a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. And then I think that's really, uh. About it, they issued a statement saying that the Cuban health system was prepared to deal with monkeypox. Uh, Venezuela is helping rebuild the oil facility that burned. Um, adaptation to climate change is a matter of survival. The headline says it all. And that's really... Uh, That's really about it. Um, yeah, so, oh, excuse me. Um, give me a second here. I got, so we're going to dive right into the UN General Assembly because we're already talking about Cuba. I have just a little compilation South Africa here. calls for an end to the embargo against Cuba. We again join the overwhelming majority of members of the international community 
in reiterating Guyana's rejection of the sanctions imposed on the Republic of Cuba. We entreat the United, United States to end the long-standing embargo imposed on Cuba. Otra muestra clara de la aplicación de medidas unilaterales es el inhumano y criminal bloqueo comercial y financiero contra Cuba. Argentina se suma al reclamo de los pueblos de Cuba y Venezuela para que se levanten los bloqueos que esas naciones padecen. Pregonamos el retorno al respeto a la autodeterminación de los pueblos rechazando el infame y brutal bloqueo al pueblo de la hermana República de Cuba. Therefore, in our view, the long-standing embargo against Cuba and the Cuban people must be lifted. The Commonwealth of Dominica continues to join its voice with the voices of the overwhelming majority of members of this global organization to call for the immediate lifting of the unjustified trade restrictions and export bans imposed on the good people of Cuba. Falando de solidaridad entre los estados y pueblos, no podemos esquecer de mencionar Cuba y la necesidad de un embargo americano contra este país hermano ser inmediatamente levantada. Namibia reiterates its long-standing call for the lifting of the unjust embargo against Cuba. I call once again for the total lifting of the embargo that has affected the government and the people of Cuba. El gobierno de los Estados Unidos continúa ignorando la demanda casi unánime de ustedes para que cese su política ilegal y cruel contra Cuba. So, I mean, I think that that I think that all of that speaks volumes. Um, I haven't uh, specifically tried to find this clip. I read like a partial transcript earlier. Uh, the foreign minister of Nicaragua speaking um, about resisting imperialism. It's a 24 minute video, so I'm going to try to find, you know, the specific part that I'm looking for. So I apologize for jumping around, but um, let's hear what he's got to say. Is Moncado Carindes, Minister for Foreign Affairs of Nicaragua. Hermano Abdullah Chahid. Brother. Abdullah Shaheen, president go. of the 76th period session of the General Assembly. Brother Antonio Guterres, Secretary General of the United Nations. Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen, heads of delegation. We continue to live at a time of a pandemic which is impacting all of humanity, especially developing countries. These are times which test the strength, the faith, and the solidarity of all humanity as we grapple with enormous challenges. We would like to convey solidarity and condolences from our comrade, President of Nicaragua, Comandante Daniel Ortega Saavedra, and his companion, the Vice President Rosario Murillo, to the families of the entire world who have suffered the serious consequences of COVID-19 and who have lost loved ones. This worldwide health crisis continues to undermine our efforts 
to overcome problems and existing challenges such as poverty, hunger, malnutrition, inequality, unemployment, climate change, all produced by the system of capitalist exploitation which is irrational and oppressive. It is unacceptable that we have hoarding of COVID-19 vaccines by the developed nations, which then prevents distribution which would be fair and equitable for all, including developing countries. It's inhuman. It's necessary and fair to guarantee the transfer of technology and financial resources and to declare these vaccines as a common good for all humanity. We must continue with our spirit of fighting for humanity to grapple with and overcome the pandemic in solidarity, cooperating without conditions and with robust multilateralism to enable us to have access to vaccines and thereby prevent unequal or politicization of distribution. The pandemic impacts all countries on our Mother Earth and has clearly shown the need for the creation of a new international economic model which would be based on inclusion, equity, social justice, respectful equality among states and governments, prioritizing eradication of poverty, health as a universal right of all humanity, insisting that the resources that are used for war, aggression and destabilization of countries be used in a humanist spirit for life, peace, security, and the progress of all peoples. We must stand together against all the challenges and calamities that affect humanity, and we must not forget the crises of the refugees as well as the pain and suffering of the migrants. Clearly, wars and interventions that have been promoted or undertaken by Western powers violate our people's sovereignty and condemn to exile millions of children, women, and vulnerable groups who suffer from the consequences of greed and avarice of the most powerful, who then seek refuge in Western countries, who violate human rights and seek protection in their discriminatory policies with cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. Also, safe, regular, and orderly migration is impeded by a lack of determination and will by the Western countries. Millions of people have sustainable development goals, especially the goal of eradicating poverty, which is the most cruel pandemic in the world. Solidarity mutual cooperation, and respecting and fulfilling the principles and purpose of the United Nations Charter, which includes non-interference in internal affairs and respect of international law. By peaceful vocation, Nicaragua also stands for general disarmament, complete disarmament, and is in favor of total elimination of nuclear weapons for the benefit of all humanity. It is unacceptable that in the midst of this pandemic, weapons of mass destruction continue to be modernized and updated, thereby endangering all of humanity. It is part of the waning creation of wild capitalism that there is an insatiable appetite 
for accumulation at the expense of peace, international security, and human life. The hope of the planet's inhabitants is that nuclear weapons would disappear completely because they are a threat for all of humanity, including the very peoples of the countries that manufacture them and possess them. Nicaragua is a party to the Tetoloco Treaty, whereby many years ago we committed to not allow any country in Latin America or the Caribbean to bring about the development of nuclear weapons. We welcome the entry into force of the historical treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, which for the first time prohibits the very existence, use, or threat of use of nuclear, we nuclear weapons, which Nicaragua ratified. Turning to Afghanistan, we would insist that peace prevail. The United States and the European countries need to act rationally and responsibly appealing for renunciation and the stopping of the culture and practice of war. The lessons drawn in Afghanistan are acquired understanding, which will still continue to be a challenge after we have overcome the challenge of COVID-19 and had our economies recover. Agreement in 2017, cooperation and in harmony. We reiterate our fraternal solidarity with the government and people of Syria, defending its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Clearly shows that dialogue and diplomacy are the most appropriate means of achieving a peaceful settlement and are essential, essential to the proper functioning of multilateralism. Given this pandemic, it becomes absolutely vital for humanitarian reasons to implement the universal principle so that Taiwan may participate in mechanisms and meetings of the United Nations system. We condemn the North American hegemonic aggressive policies which undermine the peaceful settlement of conflicts and which are a threat as well as political action, economic, commercial, and military action against the Federation of Russia, the People's Republic of China, and the DPRK. We must defend the principle of dialogue and negotiation, the non-use of force, or the threat of the use of force, as principles enshrined in the United Nations Charter. We support... So, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm going to just cut it there, but like it's like a full 25 minutes of anti-imperialism. Um, it's definitely good to see. Um, but there, there was a specific portion somewhere in there where he was talking about the entire world resisting American imperialism. Like that's that's the point that we've gotten to. It would help if I unmute my mic there. Um, but yeah, that was that was quite beautiful. Uh, I bet the reps from the U.S. that were there were feeling all kinds of salty and called out. As like, they oh, should. Shit. Well, I mean, maybe not salty, but called out. Yeah, that was kind of the point. <laughs> um, now, will they listen? But yeah, that's, that's probably not. Well, as far as the U.S. anyway, probably not. I did drop the link in the comments. Um, 
obviously, you know, probably not right now because we're still doing this. But if you want to, if you want to see more of what the foreign minister of Nicaragua had to say about imperialism, I do recommend uh, watching the whole thing. Um, if I remember, I will also go back and uh, watch the whole thing. So, but uh, what he was talking about at the end there brings us into our, our next thing, I suppose, which is the U.S. escalating tensions with China and Russia. And to a lesser extent, but still still happening, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Um, you notice how anytime that there is an anti-imperialist government or a socialist government, the U.S. does everything in their power to demonize them. Yep. Um, the U.S. escalating tensions, I mean, honestly, I don't even want to go this deep into this. I, I know that you guys already know that these situations have been building up for decades. Um, and it's just, you know, propaganda, mostly. Like I said, it sounds like they spotted a Chinese ship going to a Russian port and, or leaving a Russian port, whatever. And they're using that as an excuse to increase patrols, increase surveillance, et cetera, et cetera. And um, no matter how China or, or Russia react to it, we're going to continue. When I say we, obviously, I'm referring to the United States government. But we, um, we are probably going to respond with force. Um, because that's exactly what we're pushing for. And, and one of the odder things, because, like, I mean, okay, like, they spotted a, a ship, okay, whatever, like, they can spin that however they want. Um, they'll probably win some people over with that, but, like, nobody actually believes that Russia sabotaged their own pipeline, right? Like, right, literally, what was it, like, two days after the U.S. threatened to sabotage the pipeline? It happened, and then we're trying to blame Russia for it? Right. Like, and now not to mention that the, the Finnish and, uh, I believe, the Germans and a couple other countries all have ships up there. So, like, you mean to tell me that Russia attacked their own pipeline without being caught by anybody two days, or I think it was two days on the dot, after the U.S. threatened to sabotage the pipeline. Like, no, nobody really believes bullshit. that, right? I call bullshit. First of all, they're not going to fuck their own um, economic stability there, because... They definitely oil pipeline there for, for you know, actually having some income countrywide. They're not going to fuck selves. However, the U.S. definitely will try to fuck them over like that. I, I don't fucking buy that Russia at all. It's ridiculous. And to be happening at the same time as the U.S. trying to start shit over what is probably just a normal merchant ship on a trade route... Um, or a military ship protecting merchant ships if they're moving oil. Typically, you know, just that's that's normal fucking activity through there. 
not something to be fucking reactionary about and raise a bunch of red flags like, oh, this shipping route has boats on it. <gasps> oh, my God. Well, and, and I mean, not even like back to Nord Stream, right? So, like, it's not even like that. It, it's not even like just that. Okay, there's also the factor that the U.S. is exporting a bunch of natural gas to Europe, um, which is also causing our domestic energy prices to skyrocket. Um, and then now all of a sudden Nord Stream is sabotaged and um, like the Americans and Germans are blaming the Russians and uh, the U.S. is urging Americans in Russia to leave Russia. Um, it, it does not look like a good situation. Um, I've got a couple of videos to share real quick. They're just short ones. <laughs> An urgent warning to Americans in Russia, get out of that country before Vladimir Putin drafts you to fight his war. That from the U.S. Embassy. That's, that's straight propaganda. Like, yes, yeah. they are conscripting some people. Um, it's not a full-scale draft, right? Which, by the way, was never banned here either. They can do the same fucking thing here. But we act like, you know, that would never happen here. It did. It did. Remember <laughs> right. Vietnam? Quite a few times. Just has been a few decades. Yeah. But Vladimir Putin will will recruit you. Really? That's the propaganda line now? We've been stirring the pot for that conflict for fucking decades. Decades. Embassy in Moscow today in a security alert, actually, that came last night. Officials wrote in part, Russia may refuse to acknowledge dual nationals U.S. citizenship, deny their access to U.S. consular assistance, prevent their departure from Russia, and conscript dual nationals for military service. So, hold on, let me, I wanted to keep that on the screen. Okay, so, that being said, here in the U.S., if we were to bring back the draft, we could do the same thing to people with dual citizenship. Yet again, for Korea and Vietnam and World War II, we did this to dual nationals that had U.S. citizenship. Yeah. That part. Gotta love it when, you know, the U.S. is pointing that finger at them with three more pointing back at themselves. It's hypocrisy. Uh, Natalie, yes, uh, Ukraine is drafting too. Uh, actually, Ukraine is doing it much harder than Russia is. If you are a male ages 18 to 60, you are now Ukrainian military. Congratulations. Right. Everybody. Like, there's, seriously. There's and it's punishable by death if you try to flee the country. Right, but Ukraine's not bad guy for that because U.S. wants to suck Ukraine dick. Um, well, really, Ukraine wants to suck U.S. dick, but... Well, it, it, it's a 69 at this point. 
Okay, that's fair. I'll I'll take that. <laughs> uh anyway, yeah, back to the uh back to the fucking what seems like a CIA narrative here. Thing comes as Russian men continue to flee the country after Putin ordered a partial mobilization of reserve troops just last week. These new satellite images show a 10-mile-long traffic jam at the Russian border with Georgia. These are Russians trying to get out. According to the border officials from neighboring countries, nearly 200,000 Russians have left their country since Putin's announcement last week. Meantime, And I want to circle back to Vietnam. Uh, I don't remember the exact figures, but literally thousands of people fled the United States to avoid the draft for Vietnam. I don't know. I don't know if it was two hundred thousand, but I know that it was thousands. Well, there was a lot of people that uh, went and signed up for college just to avoid the draft too. Um, which, I mean, at least, at least they, you know, hopefully benefited their life with that. <laughs> but you know. It, just even given like the mass movements that were happening at the time against the war shows you how many people were like, fuck, no, I don't want to fight this war. So again, this is hypocritical to, to be like, oh, look how many people don't want to join the military there. People don't actually yeah. want to hear. I mean, there's probably, you know, like a small percentage that are just like gung-ho, like, yeah, I got to do this. But most people here join the military just to have the fucking college fund, to have health care, to have housing. <laughs> it's a way out of poverty, which that alone is fucked because that gets yeah. exploited by recruiters. But uh, well, I mean, not not about that specific topic, but if you watch tomorrow's show, we kind of touch on uh, you know, the kind of situations that, that people's material conditions, more specifically, their, often their economic conditions, put them in. I mean, we're, we're more or less tying it into, like, you know, the, the lumpen proletariat, like uh, uh, street organizations and thing like, things like that is more or less what Jake is talking about. But that certainly applies to the military. It's and just, I mean, it's literally the same thing. I mean, violence in our streets or violence in streets overseas. What's the difference? It's the same fucking... It's the same reasons for doing similar things. Right. Just just to be out of poverty. Be as fucking imposed here. Yeah. Um, that being said, I guess that uh, makes this a good opportunity to remind everybody to uh tune in tomorrow night at the usual time 8 p.m eastern um to watch our coverage it's more than one thing actually but our coverage of the uh people's coalition rally put on by the brown berets um in chicago that took place on the 24th we're going to be talking about that um and we're also going to be talking about coalition politics as a whole. And there's kind of a lot of side conversations as well. Um, James, if you're not home for it, uh, you know, 
hop on YouTube after work, it'll still be there. Um, or Facebook, obviously, uh, make sure to share this one around. There's a lot of good conversation happening, happening in it. And even though I didn't get to show all the speakers that I wanted to, because we kind of ran out of time, um, there are some really good speakers saying some really important shit in that piece as well. Right. And you did say too, that like, once you get some time to be able to do so, you're going to upload the clips of every speaker that you got video of, right? Yeah. That way they yeah. Can... And I've also been sharing when I see other comrades posting about it, I've been sharing that to the, for we're many education and discussion group. Um, actually I'd recommend all of you go in there and check it out because even when I do upload all of what I have, there's going to be more that I've already posted in there, um, than just what I have. Um, and I mean, I really like Tom Watts shared today, you know, the original rainbow coalition picture and then the second rainbow coalition picture and like seeing those side by side really drives home. Uh, how historic of a moment that rally was that 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 event was a year in the making um, the brown berets put a lot into planning and financing that event and i mean technically we didn't stay for the whole thing we only stayed for for the rally we didn't stay for the um we didn't stay for the after party which was at a at a park a few blocks away. There's also, you know, um, pictures and, and footage of, of music uh, from that event as well. And then of course there was the dedication of the High Thurman Intercommunal inter Garden uh, the following day, which I also didn't get to go to. We were back on the road already. Um, but that, that's something else we didn't get to dive in in that uh, thing, but I have already posted about it in the in the group. So, um, you know, go in there and check it out and, you know, like leave some comments, like tag people that might be interested in what's going down. Uh, the whole point, the whole point is to build and grow and foster these relationships. Anyway, I went on a whole ass side quest about tomorrow's piece. <laughs> so I guess we can get back to, to, to finishing this video. The European Union's top diplomat said a deliberate attack likely caused the leak from the Nord Stream pipelines in the Baltic Sea. He stopped short of directly accusing anybody in particular. Seismologists report powerful explosions rattled the Baltic Sea before the European authorities discovered the leaks. Swedish leaders and others have said emphatically the pipelines were sabotaged. The Nord Stream pipelines run under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany. The leaks raising concerns as Europe faces a growing energy crisis. Some European and Ukrainian officials have blamed Russia for the attacks. The Kremlin spokesman said any claims that Russia could be behind the leaks were, quote, predictable and stupid. Shepard Smith here. Thanks for watching. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. <clears throat> It's Russia's pipeline. They're not going to fuck themselves over on that one. Jesus. Just how fucking dumb they think the public are actually believe any of that bullshit there. It's fucking propaganda. 
Yeah. The Swedish Coast Guard so says a fourth leak has been detected in a Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline running through the Baltic Sea. An official told Sweden's Svenska Dagbladet newspaper that two of the leaks are in Danish waters. And now two are on the Swedish side of the maritime border. It's the latest in a series of such incidents, which Western governments are calling sabotage and are blaming Russia. Nord Stream 1 and 2 were built to supply Germany and other European countries, but their operation has been suspended following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Swedish media has reported the fourth leak is coming from Nord Stream 2 and close to the site of another alleged attack on the pipeline. In response to the apparent acts of sabotage, Norway is heightening security around its oil and gas wells. The country is now a vital source of energy for Europe as it tries to wean itself off Russian gas. Europe could replace the disappearance of Russian gas, but if we experience a drop in Norwegian gas too, then the European economy would collapse. It would be a dark and cold winter. The Kremlin has rejected the West's accusation that it has attacked the pipelines. It has instead pointed the finger at the US, which was long opposed to the Nord Stream 2 project. Moscow has called for a UN Security Council meeting on the issue. Authorities are investigating. I made a boo-boo. I see. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I was trying to stop my screen share. I was not trying to leave. <laughs> oh, well, that, that startled me. Yeah. Um, so I guess Italy and then Hurricane Ian. Um, shit, I, I didn't have a source pulled up for this, but uh, Georgia Maloney is the name of the new president, and, and Hillary Clinton literally said, anytime a woman is elected, it's progress. Not when it's, not when it's a fascist. I can't even fucking talk. I need more caffeine. Um, yeah, no. No, Hillary. Fuck yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So the Brothers of Italy political party, her party, is uh, literally like leftover members of Mussolini's fascist party, created the Brothers of Italy party, uh, you know, after the disbanding of the fascist party. And not only did they win a president, but they also won a majority in both houses of their parliament. So, like, we're straight up talking about a, an overall fascist government. Italy's been down this road before. If that doesn't prove that history repeats itself, that the people that don't learn history are doomed to repeat it, I don't know what, what will drive that point home. That. <laughs> yes, Natalie, precisely. Fascists come in any genitalia. your gender.
does not make a bit of difference if you're a fucking and have no place in government. That's her. I feel like I don't know. She's making me uncomfortable. Um, on a sultry summer evening, a few days after Prime Minister Mario Draghi's government, right? Fell just apart. her facial. Yeah. Um, Italy's right-wing political leaders get the audio. What? <laughs> it's a huge lag in the audio, so sorry that it, my audio keeps coming through like seconds after I've said it, and so it's overlapping with yours. That's all. Ah. Fucking Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, continue. (laughs) (laughs) Italy's right-wing political leaders gathered in a private room inside Rome's Palazzo Montessorio, the lower house of parliament. The group included some of Europe's most colorful, outspoken, and unpredictable political mavericks. Silvio Bersoloni, the 85-year-old billionaire Lothario and former prime minister. Matteo Salvini... Uh, 49-year-old firebrand ex-interior minister and leader of the Anti-Immigration League Party, and Georgia Maloney, a proud and pugnacious 45-year-old in charge of the far-right Brothers of Italy Party. Gathered around a long conference table, they set about uh, plotting a joint election strategy as a right-wing bloc. Um, Side note, this is why coalition politics, well... I guess that would be more like block politics, but that's why coalitions are important in politics, right? The the left can't get their shit together and agree on anything, like globally. I don't I don't just mean here, right? But the fascists can. They're drawing in liberals. They're drawing in and more traditional conservatives, all over the world. Also, let's let's just rewind just. The- when you were listing off the names of those, you just said the anti-immigration party. Like literally, they named a party the anti-immigration. the anti-immigration league. But yes, yes. Now that doesn't fucking say it all. Oh God. Ah, <sighs> uh, listen to this sentence. It was an objective that would require them to put aside personal agendas and political differences for the sake of uniting the right in a shared bid for power. That. That that hits home. Yeah. Um, The stakes were highest for... Go ahead. When, When those motherfuckers are capable of setting aside their differences to unite behind bullshit like that... Why the fuck can we not get the left to set aside differences and unite behind the good things that we actually need to do? What the fuck? That is all. And rant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the stakes were highest for Maloney in the four hours of negotiations that, that, that night. 
If the talks went her way, she would emerge as first in line to be Italy's next prime minister. But as the least experienced frontline leader around the table and the only woman, there was no guarantee the two male big beasts in the room would agree to her terms. At Sunday's election, Maloney triumphed and is now set to become Italy's first female prime minister. But while the right stayed together during the campaign, Maloney's dramatic victory came at the expense of Salvini's party. How did she stamp her will on her two main partners during those fateful talks, and how long will the honeymoon last? They're implying that this is going to fall apart, but history shows that it's not that simple. No. This is, this is kind of echoing how Mussolini came to, par, uh, came to power. I mean, they came together with other right-wing parties, and essentially seized control of the government electorally. And now, I mean, we're we're back to square one, and in that same that very same com- uh, country. I'm not going to read this whole article. I mean, it's Politico, so you know they're they're trying to make it sound like it's not that big of a deal because this coalition or this block is going to fall apart, and and um, you know they're talking about how difficult it's been to divide the seats of parliament. Yada, yada, yada. It's all, it's all, it's all bullshit. But the point is, is that these are literally basically like the offspring of Mussolini's own fascist party. Some of these people are the ancestors of people who were working with Mussolini. Um, It's, it's a very big problem and it's, it's going to be something to keep an eye on over the next several months to the next couple of years. real star of the show showing up or woke up right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh i guess on to uh hurricane ian there's uh god damn it there's a lot yeah so fucking much we'll start with uh hurricane ian's first landfall which was in cuba it caused a nationwide blackout, really, really, the whole fucking nation. Um, obviously, they've already kind of got strained power infrastructure, so I'm sure that once they lost a couple of transformers, they just went down like dominoes. Um, but, I mean, I've got a couple of videos. Uh, there, there's a lot on YouTube. I'm not going to bother sharing the link. You can literally just search Hurricane in Cuba, and you'll find plenty of results to darkness as hurricane ian came through with winds so strong it knocked out power to the entire country car headlights provided the only visibility as people made their way through the streets of havana the island nation's antiquated electrical system is vulnerable to storms after getting through the night many cubans evacuated in the morning after ian wreaked havoc on their homes The house was totally collapsed. The children were under the bed when I arrived to look for them. They don't even have dry clothes to wear. Reports of destroyed crops and housing came in from all over the island. Crews were out assessing the damage and trying to clear debris from the roads. Ian hit Cuba as a Category 3 hurricane and was expected to strengthen as it makes its way toward the United States. 
For Inside Edition Digital, I'm Mara Montalbano. Ow. In Cuba, the scope of Hurricane Ian's wrath is now visible. Towns are unrecognizable, buildings and homes completely flattened. At least two people died and thousands are homeless, like this family now traveling on foot looking for somewhere to stay. As people try to find shelter, crews are trying to restore electricity after a national blackout late last night. The electric grid, overwhelmed by damage from the storm, left the entire country in the dark. The electric company says they're making repairs as fast as they can, but just look at the devastation. Multiple poles torn down one after another as far as the eye can see. We traveled to one of the hardest hit areas where Sinaida and her family live with four children and a newborn. Now they have no water, no electricity and no home. Their house is buried under this wreckage. For now, their neighbors are taking them in. Buenos dias. Maximina lives here. She says the little she had was destroyed and she's worried it could get even worse. Her biggest fear is that the structure falls apart now. He says this is about to fall. And with this type of devastation all across the most affected province, Pinar del Rio, the effects of being here are going to be felt for a long time. Thanks for watching. Now, it was barely a Category 3, right, when it hit Cuba, and it did a significant amount of damage. Um, so far, uh, that, that number hasn't changed. So far, still only two uh, confirmed dead, um, a couple of hundred injuries. It could, I mean, just, just look at the damage. It could have been so much worse. Um, that being said, uh, Florida got it a whole lot worse. It was like one or two miles an hour short of being a Category 5. <laughs> we, we really should be looking at it as a Category 5 hurricane. It may be the most damaging hurricane to ever hit Florida. Um, it's the, the fourth largest in terms of size, which is astonishing because it was bigger than Florida. Um, I mean, like, the whole of Hurricane Charlie pretty much would have fit in the eye of Hurricane Ian when it made landfall. Um, I, I mean, honestly, like, I'm trying to think of, like, how to describe the situation, but, like, there is no good way um, to describe it. Um, by the way, uh, I know I already said this, but in case you have joined us later, uh, Hurricane Ian went back out over... Uh, the Atlantic and uh, as a tropical storm and uh, strengthened right back into a hurricane. And it's expected to continue strengthening until it hits the Carolinas sometime tomorrow. Um, so I have a couple of uh, different videos I want to show. One is just a, it's a CNBC uh like coverage thing i might not watch the whole six minutes of it um but there was a an nbc chopper it was nbc eight out of uh 
I want to say it's out of Fort Myers. It might be out of Tampa. I don't remember for sure. But they they were tracking a different NBC station uh, that that was taking helicopters over the affected areas. And I mean, it's just some crazy, crazy shit. Anyway, here comes the first video. Continues its catastrophic rampage. The category four storm moving at an excruciatingly slow pace, only eight miles per hour forward progress. Not much faster than a person going for a jog. More than one million Floridians have no power right now. That number has been updated to 2.67 million households. Right. Hurricane. Not one million people. 2.67 million households. Ian made landfall tied as the fifth most powerful storm ever to hit the United States. A category maximum sustained winds 150 miles an hour, just shy of a Cat 5. The center of the storm struck Cayocosta, a barrier island west of Fort Myers and Cape Coral in Lee County. And this is Fort Myers Beach as a barrage of wind and water slammed the city. Forecasters had warned that the storm surge would be unsurvivable, up to 18 feet in some spots. A short time ago, Lee County officials said people were calling for 911 help, but they were stranded in high water. But they had to hold back their rescue teams, but con conditions are still too dangerous. To give you an idea of how ferocious the winds there were, look at this. Englewood Beach, right by the eye wall of the hurricane, shortly before it made landfall. This webcam did not last long after this moment. It froze and got knocked offline just minutes later. And this is a parking lot in Naples during the peak of the storm. The storm surged, topping a record-breaking nine feet there. Floodwaters picking up cars and smashing them together. The water reaching the balconies of second-story beach condos. And this refrigerator removed from a home and bobbing violently in the waves. Again, this is normally a parking lot. And look at this fire station. The storm surge swamping fire trucks and ambulances. Firefighters scrambling to get their gear out of the water as it continued to rise higher and higher, flooding the cab of a ladder truck. Images of sheer destruction are emerging. This is a photo from Fort Myers Beach the shredded remains of buildings and homes floating by. It appears to be the roof on the top of the garage, of the wreckage. Sadly tonight, there is much we do not know, especially about the barrier islands where this. Yeah, so the barrier islands we do know more about now. That's why I'm cutting that video off there. Uh, the, the Santonino, Santino, Santino. I don't know. I don't remember the exact name, but the causeway, uh, they were talking about the barrier islands there. The causeway that connects those bar barrier islands to the mainland is uh, like completely gone in three different spots. It needs a complete restructural rebuild. And there is no other land routes from those islands to the mainland. So I, I would imagine that we are probably going to see uh, boat evacuations of those islands. I mean, there, there's, it doesn't look like there is much left standing on that.
Yeah, there's there's really not. It sucks. Those are areas of Florida that I've spent a lot of time in, and I recognize the places that they're at. And that's fucking devastating to see them in that condition. Dude, Fort Myers Beach is probably nothing but a pile of trash at this point after the water's started to, like, recede some. And Fort Myers Beach got hit really, really fucking hard, and that's one of those little islands that is right off of Fort Myers that you can only get to by that bridge. It, I don't think people were taking this seriously enough when it comes to evacuating those areas. There's well, that's 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 a multi uh, a multi-fronted issue too, right? So Florida has seen a massive influx of population over the last couple of decades, and their infrastructure hasn't been updated for that. Um, yeah. On this, on, I'm not. I don't know if I'm gonna like see that exact spot, but in this. Uh, NBC, they were doing a live Q&A for part of it with people in the chat. And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, why did so many people stay? And they were talking about how the traffic was so bad by the time that the evacuation order became mandatory that, like, people literally waited hours trying to get out of the area. Um, and, And it got to a point where they went back home to weather out the storm there rather than in their cars, which who can blame them for that, really? But um, that comes back to Florida not investing in their infrastructure the way they need to be. Um, They haven't they haven't improved it really since. uh, Well, fuck, probably the 60s at this point. Um, And and as you all know, their population is significantly higher than it was then. Their, Their highway systems were never built to accommodate the number of people living there. And uh, the mandatory evacuation order came out too late because they didn't know where it was going to land. I I mean, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it. Uh, Had the mandatory evacuation order came out earlier, I think more people would have gotten out. But and and of course, there are always going to be people that are like, oh, I'm just going to weather it out. I'm just going to ride it out. That's what I was referring to there, because the recommended evacuation came out early enough for a lot more people to come out and they were refusing to, um, saying, oh, this is normal, this will be fine. We get hurricanes all the time. And it's like, not of this specific type of being right. you know, category four, almost category five, and that slow moving. That's the factor that fucked is with it being as slow moving as it was that gave it all the time in the world to suck the fucking bay dry and pick up billion of fucking gallons of water to then just hit the mainland with once it fucking came on land and move very slowly still perpetually fucking bombarding the entire middle section of Florida from coast to fuckest. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, I mean, it wasn't just the coastal regions that got beat to hell. Um, Obviously the coastal regions got it worse. They had fucking 18 feet of storm surge. Um, 
But I mean, we're still talking about torrential downpours. We're still talking about, dude, that fucking thing was on land for uh, five hours before it was downgraded to category three. And it wasn't until this morning that it was finally downgraded to a tropical storm. Like when when this broadcast that I'm about to show you guys started, uh, it had just been like it it was breaking at the beginning of it that it had just been downgraded to a tropical storm, almost on the complete opposite side of the state of Florida that it made landfall on. Right. And okay, Florida might not be big in the width manner, but as far as how long of, of a stretch that is like it'll take a whole fucking day to drive through Florida because that motherfucker is actually pretty fucking big and this storm was so huge that once it was fully on land it was covering coast to coast and pretty much everything from Ocala down to um, the, the Everglades okay like Naples is pretty much directly west of Miami. The only reason that that corner over there where Miami's at was even a safe spot is because the storm was moving at an angle northeast-ish. Um, that is a massive, massive fucking storm to be covering about two-thirds of the length of the state and the entire width of it all at once. Yeah. This yeah. was massive. And just to like put more scale on that, from the eye wall out, okay, it was hurricane force winds for 85 to 90 miles, okay, and then from that point, shut up, armed with my opinions, seriously, are we talking about Biden at all? No, and we're not talking about vaccines either, and your entire comment is asinine. Anyways... Don't feed the trolls, Rob. I know. <laughs> He's probably one of those fucking let's go Brandon cats. Right. Uh, and we're on this show, you. we say Both fuck Joe Trump. Biden like adults. You're not yeah. quoting anybody. All right, I'm done. Anyway, um, where was I? Oh, yeah, so 85 miles... 85 to 90 miles out from the eye wall in any direction, you had hurricane force winds. From that point, another 200 miles out was tropical storm force winds. First of all, armed with my opinions, I really don't think that Biden said that. Even he is not that stupid. Right. And I mean, if you're just going to keep trolling, I'm just going to block you because like, right. what, what are you doing? You don't even, you don't even know. Obviously, you don't even know what we believe. You think that Biden is somebody that we support because you're an idiot. Right. Listen, dude, we don't care. You're trying to de-understand to whatever the fuck random you have going on in your own head. And it's kind of adorable that you want to call us snowflakes because you're on a show that's not talking about Biden, not talking about vaccines. Yet you're coming into our comments to 
fucking cry about those things. Yeah, snowflake bitch. Get the fuck out of here. Block this bitch, Rob. My shit's not even fucking loading right over here with this piss poor Wi-Fi or I'd have already done so. Later, bitch. Anyway, back to the <laughs> back to the, the video I was gonna show you guys. Alright, I'm ready for this. So so they start this thing as like uh you know what what live reports they were able to pick up um as well as like social media videos that kind of thing and then they do a little bit of a q a which i'm gonna skip because uh it's not really relevant to what we're talking about here but they have chopper flight footage and that's the main thing i want to show you guys but first thing to stop yeah now you know in northport you never really got into the eye you were in the northern eye wall and because it was moving to the northeast you never got a break you eventually were in the northwestern eye wall then the western eye wall and then to the south of it so you sustained a good three to four hours of 100 plus mile an hour wind now i was watching you earlier on uh, news channel 8 and you were talking about the hampton inn and the damage uh we couldn't quite see the damage but can you tell us a little bit about what you did see to that building and maybe some other buildings in the area so we, we have not seen with our eyes the damage other than to notice that it is out of power. There are, I guess there is some structural damage. It, I would turn the camera, but it's just not a vantage point we can give you from here. There were mostly just people. What is that noise? Are you hearing that tone? There's, there's a variety of things happening right now. I'm just trying to keep abreast of what's going on. But anyway, there is structural damage to pretty much every building I've seen, whether that is a sign ripped off the side. Uh, you saw the building we showed you on News Channel 8 earlier. Behind me here, the owner of this marathon where we can't get to because of some flood water and um, variety of factors, they have some damage he showed me. And then I'm just noticing for the first time, I don't know if you've shown this tree that's on, maybe you have, I'm sure you have, you have a better eye than me, but um, that's, uh, think about the power it would take to bring down whatever that is. That that oak tree or whatever that's that big and thick and old, uh, it's just toppled on its side. So, yeah, it's structural damage, but it's it's flooding that won't recede in some spots. It's people's homes. Uh, people telling me if they'd been home, they could have died. I, I got to tell you, if I had been standing where I am standing right now 12 to 15 hours ago, it would have it would have killed me. So not that I would have or wanted to at all or had a reason to, but um, when you think about that, then you think about applying that same thing to a house or to a mobile home or in a flood zone uh, or to storm surge waters. It, it, it is mind blowing what this storm uh, was capable of and how it it lived up, sadly, to the hype. Jack, we've got a lot of folks joining us that are doing so without power. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people lost power as Hurricane Ian made uh, landfall uh, last night. A lot of people are accessing us on their cellular devices. I says hello to the audience joining us on there's a lot of places streaming everywhere wfla.com the app tracking the tropics.tv hello telltale sign when you see these jogs on the wobble tracker to the east i'm really glad that we've got this all right let's talk experiencing that right now in cape canaveral even all the way uh as far south as melbourne and daytona Beach. like that actually before uh let's see if i can get it back to that that screen so this is this morning this is this is what like 11 o'clock this morning notice that it's still the tropical storm symbol there's no number which represents that it's not a category one right 
Now it's expected to strengthen almost to a Category 2 before it makes landfall in either northern Georgia or South Carolina. Just to give an update there. That, that's how much the uh, forecast has changed since this morning. A dog was rescued from a sailboat in Fort Myers. Little shit was so happy. Um, obviously, we see either either National Guard or FEMA already responding. As well, excuse me, we want an update as well as far as what things are looking like from the sky. Sorry, everybody. If, if I'm not making sense with some of my words, this is day 11 for, for me. Um, uh, it's been a lot of streaming, and uh, please forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, a little tired. If I, I'm not even wearing a tie today. I'm used to wearing I a tie. That. I know. Yeah, I I'm thought, very, man, maybe I should take mine off. I'm just, <laughs> I, you know, I will. Uh, we have more pressing things to talk about, but I did sleep at the station, and uh, and and uh, kind of a long range kind of signal that we're tapping into. It's actually so. I, I will. I will say that the the signal for the chopper was bouncing off of different repeaters of NBC stations um, because the cell phone networks, which they primarily use, are down. Um, so, like, there were times where it would freeze up until it switched to the next one, or it would black out uh, until it switched to the next one. Um, things like that are, are pretty common in situations like this. I mean, there's massive power outages. Uh, there's cell phone outages. There's, 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 uh, you know, landline phone lines are down, internet, uh, cable internet lines are down, et cetera, et cetera. Really, it's a long range single signal for Miami because I believe that this is going to be in and of itself. Thank you. Now, this is where storm surge really decimated the area. Wow. I believe this is Fort Myers. Correct me if I'm wrong. It looks pretty close to be in Fort Myers Beach right there. Well, I guess that answers that. <laughs> he... Holy shit. Yeah, there were reports of uh, houses on fire in Cape Coral and Fort Myers from what I've heard. You see smoke there. You see that roof doesn't look, doesn't look all that, all that well. Your shingles ripped from the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not sure if there's still a fire still burning. If people are asking why, what that is. why we're we're being so so quiet, we're we're just being respectful. And um, of course, we will be continuing to provide at its best right now in the Northport area. Yeah, our own Jack Royer was there, and you know, conditions got so bad last night he had to hunker down um, and even move out of the Airbnb he was in into uh, a more sturdier building, uh, as he mentioned on News Channel Eight. So conditions there were so bad because uh, Northport was on the northern end of the eye wall, right, and. It never, the eye never moved into Northport. It, it skirted 
Northport. So Northport was in the northern eye wall, and then the northwestern eye wall, and then the western eye wall, and that was the worst of the storm. Several hours, three to four hours of 100 plus mile per hour wind, and just several inches of rain per hour uh, for several hours. Yeah, rough go. And we were, you know, we were talking about how the characteristics of the eye were were so unique, in that some of the worst of what this storm had to offer was on the northwest side of the eye wall. And that was um, right where Northport got hit. So um, most storms, it's that southeast side, folks. And um, But this storm happened to be, you know, contain a, a, it packed quite a punch on the northwest side. Yeah, and, and if you're on one side of an eye, like Sanibel was, and then, then, then you go for a couple hours in the clear, and then you're on the other side of the eye where you're getting hit again. But Northport never got in that eye. Northport was being hit all those hours the entire time from the north and the west side of the eye. Uh, Tina on TikTok, um, I'm trying to get some information from Naples as far as supplies. Um, but as I'm here on live stream, it, it's very difficult for me to, uh, to stay in touch with, with all the resources that are coming in. We're getting probably a good hundred emails an hour to our station uh, regarding updates from the area as far as food, water supplies, power, internet, um, resources, uh, death, death uh, toll, stuff like that. It's all coming in very, very rapidly. There's no way for me to be in touch with every community and every resource being provided, but we have an extremely hardworking team um, in our newsroom uh, that way. And they are posting updates to WFLA.com, the WFLA app. I will try. Here's uh, there in Southwest Florida. Let's uh, go over to our next comment. And oh, this is actually, you know, this is actually a good one. Uh, Brittany wants to know hashtags all around uh, reports of uh, tornadoes touching down uh, anything this morning from the yeah, National Weather Service. I, you know, thankfully, we haven't really seen all that much. Um, we, we saw more in the way of tornado touchdowns and possible tornadoes down, uh, like I said, in Miami, uh, more like Fort Lauderdale in, uh, in parts of Broward County Monday evening. And of course, that you know, Monday evening was how long ago, JB? It feels like it was forever ago. <laughs> it was strong side of Ian, uh, you will get the heaviest of the rain and you'll get clearly have a very rich and in-depth knowledge of tropical see and then here after it had been updated it shows the category one um, obviously they were having connection issues with the chopper the whole time but uh, here here is that uh, that causeway The storm surge straight up just wiped it out. Straight the fuck up. That's gonna take billions to repair. I mean, the water on that road was deep enough you can barely see under the water where the driveways are. Sad thing is all this shit right on the beach you know, where obviously wealthy people reside for probably only half of the year. Um, 
those are going to be the first things rebuilt. But I mean, just absolutely catastrophic damage. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, have a whole lot more to say on it, really, other than um, my my heart goes out to those in Florida living through this. That's absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Um, there are people on the ground already working to do, uh, you know, aid work um, and things like that. I actually have a link uh, if Natalie doesn't get it up to uh, before I do. Oh, I got it. Okay. There we go. Um, that is, what the fuck? That is not what I meant to do. Let me uh, try that again. There we go. That is the, the right link. The other one will take you to it too, but why use a Facebook redirect? Right. <clears throat> um, but uh, yeah, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash C-F-L mutual aid. They are a central Florida mutual aid group. Um, as I understand, there's a whole bunch of organizations working with them on the ground to provide aid uh, already. They are raising uh, cash donations. I don't know if they have... Uh, there is a peer support gathering. There is a pet food bank. There is a Facebook group. Um, and then you can contact them through email at cflmutualaid at gmail.com. Um, I'll share the link to the Facebook group as well. Um, obviously, uh, if, if you are accepted by the admins to join the group, be respectful. Um, actually, they only want locals in there, so I'm going to cancel my request anyway. Uh, but if you are in the area... I, I might share some posts out of here, actually. Let me uh, let me just uh, come back over here and screen share. Uh, this one, this one. Uh, tinyurl.com slash cflmutualaid. Uh, obviously, that's a satellite image of Ian. Um, they are accepting donations. Um, if you or anyone you know needs assistance, contact the CFLMA by phone or email. I already gave you that email address, but once again, it is CFLMutualAid at gmail.com. Uh, 321, this is the phone number, area code 321-285-9070. Um, on social media, they use the handle at CFLMutualAid. Um, yeah, there is uh, a lot. There is a lot going down, going on down there. Um, 
and, and obviously they're in Orange, Seminole Lake, and Osceola counties. Um, you know, so they're a little bit outside of the hardest hit areas. So, you know, maybe they'll get power back earlier. Uh, maybe their gas stations aren't empty. Maybe their grocery stores aren't empty. Uh, you know, maybe the things in their homes aren't, um, you know, damaged by water. So they're in a better position, I would say, than um, a lot of people to be doing the the work. Um, as I said, uh, they did say in the, the questionnaire thing that pops up when you go to join a group that they only want locals in there, especially uh, during a situation like this. That makes sense. People deserve the right to privacy. Um, that and they're probably already getting flooded with people requesting to join who are in the area and actually need the help. So, right. If you actually want to help, just go to that link and donate so they can actually get supplies out. Right. And I mean, for that matter, if you know, you or your organization or whatever, um, want to physically go down there and help, I'm sure they're not going to turn people away. Right. Especially if you're coming with like material goods, but just contact them or contact other organizations, uh, in the area. Remember, there's a massive cell phone outage, uh, millions of people without power. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways, or a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons that a group might not get back to you right away. But if you don't have people on the ground to work with, don't go there. I mean, seriously, the, these people, the, all the people that evacuated are trying to get back to their homes. You know, the people that live there are trying to get food and water and medical care. And we were already talking about how the roads don't accommodate the number of people that are there already. So if you're able to go there and do something positive on the ground, set something up first. Don't just go there. Um, you know, that's the last thing that they need is a bunch of strangers poking around when they're trying to get their lives back in order. Um, and I, I agree with Natalie, uh, watch for scammers, um, you know, try to, try to donate to actual organizations, not, I'm not going to say don't donate to individuals, but be skeptical if you don't know who they are. There are always people, scammers and, and the like, um, looking for ways to, um, make a quick buck off of things like this. So just be mindful of that. Um, keep an eye on our page. If we find, uh, you know, other groups in the area that are doing things, we will obviously, we will platform that, um, you know, as, as well as trying to put out any, um, that's a good question, Natalie, and I'm not sure. It's, it's still very early. Remember, the storm just made landfall yesterday. It's barely out of Florida. Um, but that is definitely something to keep an eye on. 
and um, I'm gonna be keeping an eye on you know the the circles that I have on social media and seeing if there's any comrades down there doing some good work uh, you know we'll platform it we'll try to give you donation links things like that um, we absolutely will uh, it might not be till tomorrow at some point but we absolutely will be doing a website piece on Hurricane Ian um, and the the relief the relief efforts and um, you know how to donate just like we did in Texas uh, when everything froze and we did what was the other what was the other big mutual aid thing that we put together there was two there was the Texas thing and then something else my brain is gone so I can't even remember right now because it's been a while Hi. yeah I can't remember off the top of my head either and I'm also tired hence the on um, but I think that really pretty well wraps up um, what I had to talk about anyway um, and I mean I'm also tired because we you know like had to gather sources for this and we had the class today and we you know like put together tomorrow's thing and yeah it's yeah. it's been a busy day yeah busy and long day so I, at this point i'm just tired and yeah that's gonna be a huge problem of houses needing fully fucking remodeled to even be livable if not just outright demoed and rebuilt. Yeah. And this, this is always an issue after hurricanes. Always. It doesn't matter what part of the world it's in. Um, and yeah, that's, that's a, a big hurdle as well. Do you have uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Nothing I can think of, no. <sighs> I'm just tired, and now the doggos are assaulting with aggressive lovins. Like, Mom, pay, pay attention to us. So, yeah. I think I'm going to go take them to play in the dog park and then take a nap. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um. All right, so, yeah, we will... It's another guy. Jesus Christ. So we will see you um, tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So that'll be you know, 7 Pacific, 6 Mountain Standard, uh, 5 Mountain Daylight, and Pacific. Right? Something like that? Something like that. You're on. You're on mountain. You're on mountain. I, I think I said it backwards because you're on mountain standard. Yeah. Are you so two hours behind or three? Three. Until. Or yeah, it would be it would be three or four. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that'll be four. So you'll be on California time. Then right <laughs> or, no, you're on California time right now. You'll be you'll be on the same as mountain. You'll be on the same as mountain standard after the time change that's right yeah live there for four years still can't figure it out <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i fuck it up all the time 
Um, did that earlier today, talking to Chairman Jake and, you know, was like, yeah, you know, 5 p.m. Eastern, so for your time. And then immediately was like, no, I have that bass backwards. 5 p.m. Eastern is six your time. Brain charts constantly. Yeah. Hell yeah, you guys will enjoy that show tomorrow. It's pretty cool. A lot of very awesome and motivating speakers there. Including Hi Thurman of the original Rainbow Coalition, Sherry Honkala. Uh, she's been involved with the Poor People's Army for years. Um, I believe she's a co founder. Um, she was also, at one time, uh, Jill Stein's running mate on the Green Party ticket. Um, she doesn't do that much with the green party anymore because she's, you know, lost all, all possible faith in electoral politics and who can blame her. I think we're all there. Uh, and then chairman Zulu, chairman Shaka Zulu of the, uh, new African black Panther party. Um, and yeah. And, uh, tomorrow at some point. I should be uploading um, like the actual videos of these speeches on their own. So you don't have to watch, you know, the whole, the whole show to uh, actually you'll, you'll see more than you will on the show, but on the show, we also have, um, you know, like sidebar conversations talking about either what the speakers are talking about or elaborating more on it or, kind of diving into the concept of coalitions and how coalition politics work, um, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably the best piece we've done in a while. <laughs> right. But it's always a good time when Chairman Jake comes on. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That being said, see you tomorrow. Um, Keep an eye on the page, and for the first time in a long time, keep an eye on the website. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm yawns are fucking contagious. I'm, I'm ready for a nap. All right. Well, um, it's been real. I hope you all have a wonderful night. And... Um, it's time for said music, as uh, James would say. As James just said. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, puppy. See, even Sarah knows, and she's getting excited. <laughs> right. All right, let's do it. Get him out of the devil's gun Get him out of the devil's gun
Just don't worry about it. Learn how to use my...